Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I can invite you to turn with me to the passage for this evening. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verses 1 to verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, and the Apostle Paul writes, he says, it is actually reported that there is a sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Now, when you, are, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? <clears throat> so, gracious and heavenly Father, we come to you once again into your house. We ask of you to prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say to us, what it means to truly be members of your living church. So come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, reveal to us, may we be obedient to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today I want to touch on another rather sensitive topic. I want to talk to you today about you all of you that is seated here in the pews this evening. You are the important members that form the local church. So can you tell your neighbor to your left and your right, wake them up and say, hey, wake up, pastor is talking to you. And then you reply back, pastor is also talking to you. But simply jokes aside, let me begin by posing this rather fundamental question regarding this topic. Is church membership a biblical concept? Let me say this again. Is church membership a biblical concept? Think about this for a moment. Because in one sense, you can say that the answer is no. Why? Because if you open up to the pages of the New Testament, you won't find a story of Aquila and Priscilla, you know, they're going from one church to another, they're checking this out, whether they could meet their needs, you know, whether this church could meet their needs before they were to settle down to be members of, let's say, Jerusalem All Saints. In fact, based on my knowledge, from what I can tell, nobody at the particular time went church shopping. Why? Simply because there was only one church in each community. So in that sense, you won't find a list of names of members within the church. Ah, but here's the thing. The early church, the early church apparently did keep a list of the members. How do I know and how do I come to this conclusion? 
Well, you see, again, if you search the Bibles, you come to a number of biblical passages that suggest that churches at the time, they do have a record in tracing who were the members. And so take, for example, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 and verse 9, you find that when you read this passage, there seem to be a list of widows supported by the New Testament church. So the church apparently knew who belonged to the assemblies and who did not. In other words, they had a kind of an organization structure for members that was vital in the running of the church. If they didn't have this list of widows, they didn't have this organization structure, they won't know who were the widows, and they could not offer pastoral care and support. And then in our reading for today in the Corinthian passage, you find that the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church regarding the report of one sexual immoral man in their midst. Now, granted that the name of this individual person was not mentioned, but the fact that he was highlighted, this gives us an obvious revelation that the church knew who he was, in the sense that he was part, he was part of the member of the church. So much so that we find that Paul instructed the leaders to remove or exclude this man from the assembly. Now, again, Stop to think about this. You cannot formally exclude someone if that person was not in the first place formally recognized and included. Thus, it is very clear that scriptures, especially in the New Testament, though it does not specifically mention about membership within the early church, nevertheless, there is, there is a significant, distinct reference for it. So why do I want to talk about this subject matter? Well, I'm sure that some of us here may not like what I have to say, but I want to approach it as gently and as lovingly as I can to you. I'm not pointing out to anyone I'm not mentioning any names, but I'm merely stating an important fact that needs addressing, and I hope that we all take this positively. You see, the reason why we need to address this whole issue of membership is because it appears that when people come, some people come to church, they don't know the importance of membership, and some perhaps don't even see the need for it. But listen, as I've already pointed out from scriptures, church membership matters greatly. And friends, it matters because it is recognized as a former relationship between you and the church. And furthermore, you'll find that this relationship is characterized by the church's affirmation and the oversight of the individual's spiritual growth and in their living out of this discipleship under the care of the church. Now, this sounds like a mouthful, but let me break it down into several fundamentals in this definition. You see, number one, it's important to be a member of the church. Why? Because the church body formally affirms you, 
your profession of your faith. That means to say, if you claim to be a Christian, you claim to believe in Jesus, then you form part of the church. There is that relationship between the church and the Christian. Two, a church gives or provides oversight for the individual's discipleship. That is to say, the moment you become part, a member of the church, it is the church's responsibility for the spiritual growth of that particular person. And thirdly, the individual in turn, once you receive that discipling, once you receive that teaching of spiritual growth, you submit to that discipleship, you submit to the authority of the church, and that as a result, pastoral care is being provided. So in a nutshell, the church simply says to its members, the moment you become a member, we recognize your declaration of faith as a Christian and your discipleship to Jesus as something that is valid and important. And because of this, we will publicly affirm and acknowledge you and we want to bring you under the care of the church. And principally, as members of the church, your response should be this. I recognize and I will submit to the discipleship of the church. Now, to help us comprehend this better, maybe we can look at it from a family setting. <clears throat> so take example, my household. Since my four children are born into the true family, they all live under my house. They are cared and provided for by me. Because they carry my surname, they don't stay with my neighbor, or they don't stay with another household, with another family member. Thus, though Gerald may be very close to Freddie, he don't reside in Freddie's house. It just doesn't make sense. So similarly, all of us here, we are seated here, we come under all saints' church. Therefore, we come into this family, we come into this membership of all saints' church and nowhere else. We don't attend one church and then actively be involved in another. Now, despite all that I've mentioned, all that I've established, there are still some who consider being church members is an optional. Now, it's not to say that these folks don't love God, you know, or, or they're not God's people. It's more the fact that to them, belonging and maybe, you know, committing to a particular church is maybe, you know, to them, they seem as unimportant or unnecessary. And if you are one of those seated here today, I hope that at the end of this, your mindset will be changed. And there are many of them who are because they carry a one, a, a, one of these many views. And one of the views is that they are indifferent to church membership. And to this group of people, to them is they either take it or leave it. They are neither excited nor negative towards the church. You know, it's quite interesting to observe that, you know, as humans, we are quick to sign up to be members of a, of a popular club or, you know, want to sign up to be part of a group. But when it comes to church membership, we are totally different. 
we are so indifferent towards it. We find that, ah, it's a hassle. It's not important. And very often for this group of people, to them, worshipping God is key. All I want to do is just come to a church and worship God. It doesn't matter which church. So I can go to church A this week. I can go to church B next week. I can go to church C on the third week. It doesn't matter which church I go. This membership is an option. All I want to do is just to worship God. So this group of people, they are totally indifferent to church membership. Others are just plain ignorant. Ignorant in the fact that they are uninformed of the need to do so. You know, I've known of people who attend church regularly and they're never told of the need to be formally registered as church member. And again, some of times these people, because being uninformed, when you tell them to be registered, they get all upset. The assumption for these people is that, you know, they're automatically part of the community. But to be part of a church, you need to register your intent. And then there's still others. These are what I term as the indecisive. They cannot make up their mind about being part of which faith community. They want to be a member of the church. But the problem with this group, too many choices. We are spoiled for choices. They like one aspect of church A and then another aspect of church B. And so because of that, they are unable to decide. And the point that I want to bring up to you, if you are those who are indecisive, listen, there is no perfect church. There is no perfect church until Christ comes again. You may like one aspect of this church, but don't like other things. And so the other church may have the thing that you like that, you, that this church doesn't have. Look, guys, you can never find that perfect church. All we need to do is just to choose and to settle down and to commit in one church that you are comfortable with. Yes, certain things about all saints may not be good. Other church may be good at that. But being a church member is that you remain here and you go through it all together. There is no one perfect church. And then fourthly, why are some people not into membership is because they are termed as the independent type. These are labeled as, you know, the Lone Ranger Christian. And they are termed as Lone Ranger Christian because they don't want to associate with people. Yes, they may be here in our midst, present in the church every week. But you know what? They choose not to mingle with the body of Christ. They choose not to participate in the life of the church after service. And this is not because they have a problem relating socially. I believe it is more of a choice that they do not want to be committed. You see, they have this come-and-go attitude. That they come and consume what they want, and then they go back unattached. So if this church is providing something that they like, this week, they will go there. They just receive everything and then go back home, uncommitted. Next week, if another church provides this thing that is, you know, favorable to them, they will go and receive everything. But they are not committed 
to the church. They take what is beneficial for them, but don't contribute to the cause. And the final reason as to why some are slow to commit to a local church membership is because of what I term as the inverted affection. Now, what do I mean by this? Is that this particular group, they may have already a strong attachment to a particular home church from where they grew up, very much like Cassandra and me. You see, though our home church is St. Hilda's, as some of you know, but for us, we have since moved on to two or three other parishes. But each time when we move, we make that church our church. You see, the thing with this group of people is though they, they may be present in this new church, their physical body, however, is a hundred miles away. They can't bring themselves to join or to be engaged wholeheartedly to where they are currently attending. As Why? Because they are still emotionally attached to their first church. That's why they choose not to be members of the church. But you know, as you reflect on all these five reasons as to why people don't want to be members of the church, you can see that the root of all of them stems from the same problem. And the problem is this. The failure to understand or to take seriously God's intent that the church be central to the life of the people. We need to see that the church plays an important part in your life and my life. And if the church plays an important part, then we must solely be committed to be members of one and only one church. So therefore, for all of us here in All Saints, if we truly want to be a vibrant, living, and healthy church, this requires you and me, the congregation, all of you. It requires us to take your membership seriously. You see, a house, as we know, has bricks. A flock has sheep. A vine has branches. And a body has many parts. And in one sense, the church has its members. So being a Christian does implies you being part of a church. And so now let me address this issue. What then does it take for you and I to be a member of the church, of the church here in All Saints? The first thing is baptism. Now in all churches, you find that membership kicks in the moment you repent and is baptized. Hence, those baptized in another church, and we have some of us here in our midst, if you're baptized in another church, and you have been here for a few weeks or a few months, and you're comfortable here, you like what we have to offer you, and you choose to remain here with us in All Saints, you're welcome to be a member of the church. You don't need to re-baptize again. But what you need to do is to transfer your membership. And I'm happy to say that since the beginning of the year, there are a few of us who have done this. So thank you very much. But not, not only in baptism, because in our Anglican structure, you also find that you later need to go 
process known as confirmation. Confirmation is the process where you get to know more about what it means to be an Anglican. Now, I'm aware that in our midst also, perhaps there's some of us here, you have valid reasons why you're not able to be baptized. And well, I fully understand your reason. God fully understands them. But here's the thing. We must never use that reason and ex excuse for not wanting to be baptized. You hear me? We should always strive towards being baptized as this is a sacrament which Christ instituted and one which must take every effort to follow eventually. So yes, while now you may have your reason, whatever reason it may be, but in the long run, ultimately, when we are able, we are all adults, we can make our own decision, we must be willing to put Christ first and say yes, despite all the setback, despite all the frustration I get, despite all the persecution you may receive, you must fully say that, yes, I must eventually be baptized. And to add on on this subject of baptism, let me just say this. If you choose to be baptized, it is not just a member of salvation. You don't get baptized just because you want to be safe. You want to go to heaven. Yes, that's part of the reason why we are baptized. But being baptized also means you take seriously your call as a disciple of Christ. So what I'm trying to tell you is simply this. If you want to be baptized, you must be willing to take up your cross daily and to suffer for Jesus. Don't come and tell me, you know, I want to be baptized, but don't put my face up on the screen so that everybody can see, so that my friends will know that I'm a Christian. I don't want my friends to know that I'm a Christian. That's not what baptism is all about. That's not what it means to carry your cross. So if you really want to be baptized, you must be willing to carry the cross. And perhaps for some of us, and maybe for the young ones, it would mean facing rejection from their parents. But if that is what baptism is all about, if we desire to put Christ first as our priority, this is what we need to do. And so, to sell Koyo, if you are keen to be baptized, as you have seen up on the announcement screen, we are having our baptism class. It's going to start next week. Now, baptism is due at the end of May. So if you seriously want to be baptized, you want to be a member of this church, you have not yet baptized, take this step to sign up for the course with Pastor Mabel. So firstly, you must be baptized. Secondly, to be a member of a healthy church, you as a member, you must fully be committed. Now I want to say that this word committed is a word that is used very much in the early church in Acts. And especially you find that this commitment is manifested in the many things that they did. We talk about this a lot in the Acts 2 verse 42 passage. And we find here some of the things that the early church were committed to. We are told here they were devoted, or another word is committed. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, 
They were committed to the Word of God. They were committed to fellowshipping, getting to know one another. They were committed to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And based on this verse alone, we can conclude that church membership is not simply a record of names, your name and my name. Neither is it a sentimental feeling and expression of affection towards a familiar place. That, oh, you know, I, I like this church. Rather, membership is a reflection of a living commitment of regularly meeting one another, encouraging and growing together as one common community. And this is why, and this is why in our ASE discipleship journey, the aim is to move every single one who enters into this door from being a casual crowd in the community to one that is committed to the cause and eventually form part of the core. And as we process through the different phases, let me further add that membership commitment in ASE also means being committed to a few things. Number one, we need to be committed to the church's vision and values. To be a member means to be in alignment. I've said this again, I've said this many times, and I'll say this again. We need as a church to be in alignment to the church's direction and goals. There's no consistency if the church leaders head in one direction and you, the members, move in another direction. When that happens, there's no unity. There's no focus. What result is only confusion and chaos. Thus, if you are to be members of ASE, we must strive. We must strive together towards living out this vision of a lifestyle of evangelism and a culture of discipleship that God gave to all of us. In addition to the church vision, members also ought to be committed to the church's core value. And again, what is it? We have fleshed all this out before. Probably you have to test any one of us. Well, we may get two out of four, correct? But we need to be committed to the core value. And what are they? Our core value is we are to fix ourselves on Christ. So are we fixing on Christ constantly in everything? Do we base our decision and our life on the Word of God, what the Word of God says, and through prayer? Are we diligently discipling others to grow spiritually? And to help us along, the following week, all of us, all of you, will be receiving what I term is as our official All Saints Manual. And this manual will spells all of will spell out all these guiding principles to help us live out this church vision and core values. So it's the hope that when you receive this manual, you will know what it means to be a disciple. You will know what it means to be a member of All Saints Church. So we must be committed to the church's vision and values. We must, a member is also committed to attend service regularly. Now what what does the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments say? The fourth commandment states that we are to remember the Sabbath 
and to keep it holy. What does it mean to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy? For us, it means we must be regularly present at worship service. We are to be known and to be actively involved in the church life. In a sense, you find that when we are known, when we are regularly in church service, this will truly ascertain whether we are a true Christian or not. This will further confirm whether our faith and our baptism is indeed genuine. Why? Because the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 10, verse 23 and 25, he says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not, listen, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And this is why it is vital that as the disciples, and I stress again and again, that we need to be physically be present every week for service. We have no reason not to come regularly to worship church, to worship God in church. Viewing, like, viewing service online is just a temporary measure. And I want to stress give you all of you the heads up, and especially for those of you who are tuning in, in due time, we will be seizing with our live streaming service because the Word of God clearly tells us we should, be, we should not be neglecting to meet together. We should not neglect the, the opportunity to come together to worship God physically. The one consistent purpose of public meeting of the church is for mutual edification, building each other up in the faith. A committed member does seek to follow Jesus' example to serve and not to be served. And this mentality should not be one of a consumer. This mentality should be one of a provider, a provider of resource, of your time and your presence. So seen in another way, a church must have members who cares and takes accountability for each other. You see, not only is the individual committed to the church's cause, you and I, we must hold each other accountable and responsible. So in declaring to one another, so it is simply declaring to one another that if I have a need, I am now or rather, if you have a need, I am now your responsibility, and I have to take care of you. And if I have a need, you are my responsibility, and you have to take care of me. And in the application, what this means is simply this, that when we see visitors coming into our church, what do we do? Do we take the effort to greet them and welcome them, or do we just let them pass by? Do we just say that it is the responsibility of the staff or responsibility to someone else? If we know someone who's walking off the narrow path, we don't turn a blind eye or sweep the issue under the carpet as though nothing is wrong. 
When we say we are committed to the church, when we say that we care for one another, it means we lovingly address the fault and gently help our brother and sister who has fallen to turn around and to be reconciled. It is like the Good Samaritan who was always ready and willing to lend and offer any support or assistance. And this act of members' responsibility will be spelled out clearly in next year in our one another passages in the Bible, which we will, which we will be exploring in the first half of 2022. But at this juncture, I want to pause and take time to thank members of the church, those of you, you know, you have responded to the church's needs, and especially in this area of our Childcare ministry in Kiriya, which of course now has been handed over to the Anglican preschool uh, services. I want to thank all the volunteers this year that, you know, some of you, Lindsay has approached, you have risen up to the challenge, we've agreed to take on this chaplaincy work. So a big thank you for all of you, because this is what it means to be a committed member in the church, to see the church's needs and to rise up and to help up. And also at the same time, I want to take this opportunity to say a big thank you to those who have served in the management committee of Kiriak over the last three years with me. And with that, I want to give all of you a token of appreciation. So can I invite the MCs? Can you please stand? Can you please stand? Sweetek, Vincent, please stand. These are the people, the members in our church who have risen up to the challenge. Shall we just put our hands to thank them? <coughs> and I have a special token of appreciation for you. Now, MCs, can I make this request? You may be seated. That at the end of the service, after I dismiss all of you, can you please come in front? We'll take a simple photo, all right? This is just to show you an example of what it means to be members of the church to see the need, to volunteer, to say that, yes, I can contribute to something. Last but not least, you find that a committed member of a church is also committed to the leaders in the church. Now, being a member of a particular church means you come under the trust, you come under the authority, you come under the guidance and the leading of that church. It means that the church leadership cares and loves you. It means that the church leadership will guide you as long as you're under the charge and they will correct you when you're wrong. But you know, the irony, the irony I find is that there are those who, despite being a member of Church A, they somehow still, you know, want to go over to Church B. And then upon returning back to their church, they insist that the pastor follow what the church teaches. Now, I'm truly confused. Which church are you a member of? Church A or Church B? If you're a member of Church A, if you're a member of All Saints, don't you have confidence and trust that me, your pastor, love you and will guide you and will tell you when you have gone wrong? If that is so, 
Why bother to go to the other church in the first place and hear what the other church teach? Then there are those. There are those who love to listen to preachers that appears over YouTube videos. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we do that to gain more knowledge. That's fine. But the problem I have with people like this is that when they hear these YouTube preachers, they end up being influenced by them and they believe every word that this YouTube preacher says as though it's the gospel truth. And then again, they go back to the pastor and then they, they say, Pastor, you must listen to this. And, that. and then when the pastor corrects them, they get all upset. When the error is being pointed out, they resist. Again, I'm confused. Are these YouTube preachers your pastor? Do they know you? Do they love you? To be a committed member, you may need to be committed to the leadership of the church that God has placed under your charge. Time is running out in closing. I just want to end by saying that, you know, I'm aware that we're all sensitive people. And being sensitive people as we are, I want to end by making this clear so that no one is upset, no one ends up with the wrong idea about what I'm saying today. I'm not saying that I'm not welcoming any one of you. I'm not saying that if you're not a member of All Saints Church, you're not welcome. Please remove that notion from your mind. The point I'm making is simply this. If you are a member of All Saints, then we need to rise up. We need to rise up to really live what it means to be a member of the church. But if you're not a member of this church, but you have been here for a long while, it's not that I'm not welcoming you. Feel free to come in every week. But my point here is I want to challenge you to take the next step. I want to challenge you to settle down here and be part of us to what God is doing in the church here in All Saints. A healthy church has healthy membership and that healthiness of the membership are manifested by these three things a regular attendance in service, regular participation in events, regular involvement in the life of others. So can I challenge each of us then to take the step and to rise up? Let's close in prayer. Father, I come to you this evening knowing that the church exists only because of its members. Even without the physical building, the church is the members. We, the congregation, are the church of God. And what does this mean for us? If we are truly the church of God, it means that we must rise up. We must change our attitude of what it means to be a member. And so, Father, what we have shared this evening, Lord, I ask that it will challenge those of us who may be struggling. For some of us, we may have different views, whatever it may be. Lord, help us change our mindset, change our thinking that this 
Membership thing is an important thing for you. Membership is something that will help the church grow. Membership is something that you desire. And so, Father, for those of us who are struggling, I pray that you will minister to them, speak to them. And for the rest of us, though we may have been committed to be members of All Saints, some of us for many, many years, help us to see a fresh insight to what it means. Challenge us to move in the direction that you want us to grow. Because as we look around, truly, Lord, we are amazed by what you are doing. As Fuan has prayed, Lord, the many things in our midst, the changes that you are doing, we, it only means that we as members, we must rise up to be obedient to what you want us to do. So, Father, as we close our time together, may you challenge us, move us ahead, together as one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we stand as we sing our response song? It's a song that reminds us that we have decided to follow Jesus. And as we sing the song, let us respond that this is our desire, that we want to be responsible members of the body of Christ.